And then what did he say? Yes. I remember that. Oh my God. Only if I knew what I knew now, things would have been so different. I wouldn't change a thing. I'd do it again and again. You remember those haircuts? Because <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I've been there. I've done that. You all ready? Yep. Yeah. Welcome to Been There and Done That. Really excited about this episode because we're going to be talking about being a single parent and as you know that's been quite a journey for me. So I am Tejal Basia. Hi, I'm Chan. Hi, I'm Hardip. And I'm Sneha. Thanks girls for joining me now. We've all had uh, our own personal journeys with being a single parent. Um, I'm going to start by sharing my story and I think the difference with some of us will be that some of us chose to be a single parent, whereas some of us didn't. And I fall into the category where I chose to be a single parent. Um, Most of you will know that Myra is now 17 years old um, and I divorced when she was six. Having said that, I believe I became a single parent earlier than that because her father wasn't uh, an active father. Although he lived in the same house as us, he was absent most of the time. The challenges that I found when I finally did have the courage to divorce him was... It's a lonely journey, initially, and you feel that people pity you, and I hated those looks. You know, it was like, oh, poor Ted, she's a single mum. I'm not poor Tej, who's a single mum, because I chose to show my daughter that it was okay to be on your own, it was okay to be independent, and that she did, the relationship that she had with her father, I did not want her to think that was the norm. I didn't want her to think that my relationship with her father was an acceptable way of being treated. So I made that choice. I don't see myself as a failure. What I see myself is as a warrior. And that was the challenge, to get people to understand that the choices I made were choices that I felt were best for Maya and I. And I recall the first couple of nights after Maya's father had left and making her sleep in my bed and holding her really close because, probably gonna get emotional now, because I just felt like I was the only person that she had, and I wanted her to feel protected and safe, and I wanted her to understand that her dad wasn't there, but I, I could be mum and dad. I could be everything. And, and the journey wasn't easy. I'm going to pass you over to Chan so she can tell you the beginning of her journey. Hi, um, my journey is completely different to Tejal's. Um, I lost my husband at the age of 36. Um, my kids were four and eight. Um, he was basically my cellmate. We met at school, and I thought I was going to live the rest of my life with him. But that wasn't the case. Um, again, going on from what Tage said, um, there is a lot of pity in what people think, and they look at you thinking, not just divorce. Oh, her husband died. You know, she's only young. She could. She should get married again. The children are young. That is not what I wanted. Again, I wanted to prove to my kids that I was strong enough and independent enough to bring them up on the right path. That was my only concern. Sorry, I've got the shakes. Um, So that was my main concern is my priorities were my children. I changed my whole lifestyle, my working pattern, everything. But with the support of my family and my friends, I got through it. I became a stronger person. Um, If you knew me before, I am a totally different person. Um, I won't take crap now. I will stand up for myself and for my children. Hi. um, Again, my journey is a little bit different to um, Ted and Shah. 
Um, I've now been divorced um, six years and I was married for 10. Um, my ex-husband had an addiction. So I think after 10 years of marriage, it got a bit too much. Um, my children were seven and three when I decided to take that step. And yes, it is, it's a pity and oh, Bajari this and Bajari that and everybody's like, um, oh, she's by herself, she's, you know, I guess it's, it's, it's a normal reaction for our parents to take us under their wings at the time. It's like, no, 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 come home, come home. And I think my biggest, biggest um, step that I took was to stay in West London, whereas my family was in East London. And I think that was the best thing I ever did. I have no regrets about doing that because I didn't want to be that person that depended on other people. Hi, I'm Sneha. Uh, my journey, again, totally different from the other three. I met my husband when I was 15, um, went out with him, all against the will of my family, married him. Um, and yeah, things were okay for a while. He was the love of my life. He'd met me as a child, saw me into a woman. And then the abuse started and... Um, when you think it's going to be okay and it won't happen again and it's okay for a while and it happens again. And then came an addiction as well, along with everything. And because I had left home, I'd ran away from home and got married, I was determined to make this work. So you kept forgiving him, kept on thinking this would be okay, it'd be okay. And then one day it just becomes enough is enough. It's affecting my children and it has affected my children. And I wish I had got out sooner, but I didn't. But in the end, I did finally make that move. Most probably 10 years too late. But now, yeah, I'm really glad I did. And I am happy now. I think the theme here is we were all very keen. And we still are to show our children that we are survivors, that they can overcome anything. But the journey is so... It's a roller coaster. There's so many ups and downs, and you you just never know what each day is going to bring. Um, I think, Chan, you mentioned about gathering strength from your family and your friends and what have you. What became really important to me, and I hope that you girls will agree, was finding role models yeah. for our children. So for me... I was really lucky because Maya was little, my brother was single, he lived next door. He quickly fit into the role of father figure. Um, and sometimes I'd come home from work and literally she'd just be laying there across his chest, cuddling him. And it used to warm my heart. I mean, it used to warm my heart in that sense, but broke my heart that she didn't have a father who was able to give that. Maya's father stayed abstinent and still does. He has minimal contact, maybe once every couple of years, and that's um, in a text. But what has happened as a result of this that I've noticed is Maya really rejects relationships with men, whether it's school friends with, um, you know, with my cousins, with my male friends. She rejects it. To the point that she says to me, you know what, mum, you can't have a boyfriend. It's just not going to happen because the whole scenario makes her uncomfortable because she wasn't, you know, around a male. It was literally the two of us. Yeah, and I know this. John, I know your um, son and daughter don't want you to have a partner. Yeah, I mean, Anisha was probably five and she was said, if I have a boyfriend, she will kill him. <laughs> so I was like okay right oh we're God. not going to go down that route um, but with me I think what helped me was um, my family and friends I mean Tejo's daughter and Anisha my daughter they met at school and I really truly believe they met for a reason and they brought me and Tej together and I'm not just saying it but Tejo really helped me through a lot of emotions it was a big roller coaster. I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to speak to anyone. I didn't even want to do the school runs. Um, Tejal, I mean, I didn't even know her, but she came over to my house and um, she just 
warm to me and we connected and we became kind of like a family of four or five you can say we started sharing school runs together it made it a little bit easier for me um and then it just sort of like gave me opened my eyes up that okay I have to do these small little things like even going shopping was a task for me because I couldn't even drive properly it was like I never I could (laughs) honestly I I, you know I didn't want to take Emma for a haircut because that was my husband's job not my job I actually cried in the hairdressers when I took him for a first haircut standing there thinking why do I have to do this why it's a father's job to do take their son for a haircut but now I totally think you know it's it's not mothers can be the dad's role as well and I hope that I've proved that to like my children um and I think like you know we might have been weak at one point but I think on the other side we've come out really strong definitely I think it's really true about people coming into your lives at the right time because when I was going through mine um it's really bizarre my eldest and two of my friends um children they all went to nursery together so we actually met originally when the kids were six months old um and then it just so happened we it wasn't it was like a quite a big nursery gang and then it slowly slowly as in your children get older you go to different schools it all splits up but now I can honestly say I've got two friends I went um one of them went through her divorce and she's got a son um while we were at nursery so she went on through it a little bit earlier on I went through it secondly and the third one of us she's gone through it as well and she's got two girls so it's amazing the way that we've bonded together and I think God actually places these people in your lives for your support the support network is amazing and I think that's really important in your own personal development because you do find strength from each other totally I mean Chan and I obviously met through these circumstances Snae and I met because you used to teach our girls there's a couple of other single mums and Mm -hmm. what we did was we quickly formed uh, a unity you know we were like the single mums club you have you've got this thing Um, in common yeah Yeah. and it really bonds Mm. you and I found you know sometimes these bonds were stronger than the ones that I had with my family because these women were experiencing what I was experiencing. They were experiencing that vulnerability, that loneliness, that that constant questioning. Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the right thing by my kids? Am I teaching her the right values? How can I protect her? And I found, and you know, I hold my hands up. I think for a long time, I was guilty of being overprotective. I think we're all like that. We do that. Yeah, I think with me, again, it's a little bit different because my kids were older. When I separated, they were already past teenagers. I think um, 14, 16, 17 at that age. So they'd seen a lot. But mine was getting them to a place. This made me think that I didn't get educated. I didn't go to university. And I thought, okay, now I'm really struggling. I'm fighting. I'm having to work. I've got to put them through uni and everything. And my biggest thing was that I want my girls, I know I had a boy as well, but at that time he was quite young, the girls especially, to go to uni and just be strong enough that if ever they have to go through it, they can stand up themselves and fend for themselves. Because I felt I was left in a such a position that I didn't have an education enough to have an amazing job. I was working around the clock, but also had to bring up these kids, be there, but also have to work as well. Finding that balance is just, it's so, so difficult. I mean, I gave up a job, a corporate job, and set up a home business because I came home from work one day, Maya was three, and she'd started to call my mum, mum. It broke my heart because that's not what I bought into. When I chose to become a mum, I was in it. I mean, I I was in my 30s when I became a mum, so I'd had my you know successful career. I'd travelled. So when I became a mum, I think to be quite honest, when I got married, my end goal was always to be a mum. Be a wife was just you know (laughs) (laughs) has to be done to be a mum (laughs) it's just an addition do you know what I mean but being a mum I was so ready and like you 
I really wanted to be there. And I put myself in a lot of financial difficulty to be a mum. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, all of us to a certain extent have had All to. our circumstances have changed big time. I know I was working... Um, nine to five with my little ones then at the time had to change literally change location change jobs so i had to work around them going dropping them off to school going to work picking them up then coming home and then like it was literally from a nine to five job to a nine to two so even that like financially hits you big time as well let's talk about the emotional side of it for me I think one of the biggest challenges was dealing with the loneliness. How did you girls cope with that? Um, I think I didn't even think about um, emotions because I obviously lost my husband suddenly. So I think mine was I was just dealing with grief for years. Um, But now, as the kids grow older, you kind of like think, well, they're independent. What am I going to do with myself? Um, so I don't know. Oh, believe about... me, even if they're older, yeah, <laughs> they still need you. Oh. <laughs> I hope so. Oh, yeah. um, my, no, I don't know. Sorry, loneliness. I don't. I think mine was more relief because I'd actually, I'd actually. What's the word I'm looking for? Is there a word? Dis, dis, disattached. Yeah. I'd, I'd actually. That distance was there already. So I'd actually, I wasn't attached, the lonely lost, it was actual relief when he actually left the house that I wasn't walking on eggshells and I wasn't watching my back all the time. I understand that. So you saying that, same thing with me, he wasn't there as a husband, Mm. I was detached in that, but that time he finally went, Mm. it was still a roller coaster of emotions. Yeah. It was weird. I'd go shopping and I'd still be like, oh, I need to buy this and then. But I didn't need to buy these things. Yeah. And yet I wanted him gone for years. Yeah. Because of everything in the house, the abuse, the violence and everything else. But yet when it did happen, I didn't think I would feel like that. How do you girls fit, think your children feel about being, you know, just having us? Um, with mine, they were quite young. Um, my oldest, uh, he didn't really show much emotion or anything. Whereas my younger daughter, even though she doesn't, she didn't really know what was going on, um, was always talking about her father. Um, so as they've grown up, we've we always talk about him. So I don't want them to forget, and um, we've learnt to talk quite comfortably. But I think they do feel it now. They try to deal with grief now probably more than they did when they were younger because they understand things um, and what they've probably missed out on. Yeah, when they're younger, they just get on with life. They don't know any better, do they? they? Um, I think mine was most probably thinking about time. I think they knew, because they were getting older, they were teenagers and everything. They were seeing what I was going through. They were having to witness it. They were having to listen to it. So to them, it was more about time. And, you know, a certain part of them couldn't understand why I waited so long. As teenagers, Snea, they must have been going through their own kind of difficult stages as well. Yeah, as we know, yeah, teenagers do. Teenagers have their own growing up. They're having... I don't know, hormones all over the place, emotions all over the place, let alone having this added to their upbringing. Yeah, for sure. I think mine was a bit of a rude awakening, to be honest. My eldest at the time was seven. Um, And when my ex-husband actually left, she turned around and said to me, Mum, do you know I could actually hear you guys arguing? And I think that really, really hit me. She goes, you thought I was upstairs and I was asleep, but I actually heard it all. And I'm glad it stopped. So for me, I think that was reassurance in a way. Mm. You see, I've always felt that Maya was okay with um, with my choice. And I, as you know, I've done everything I can to make her feel loved and supported. And, you know, just, I, I practically worship that girl. But 
what I will say is there are little things that she does that really make me question if it's enough, if being a mum is enough or whether she did need that father figure around her. Um, she, she did something a, a few months ago and um, it was really out of character for her and I just could not get my head around it. I felt such a failure and it took me two days to actually sit down with her and break it down. What was her reason for that behaviour? And it, it was because she felt abandoned. She felt that her father didn't love her. She felt that she wasn't worthy of that fatherly love. Her father's gone on to remarry and he's just had another baby. And he's constantly posting pictures on social media of his cutie pie. Well, that's what he used to call Maya. Mm. And she is battling that. How, how can he love his daughter more than he loved me? Mm-hmm. And, you know, she, she, she really battles to get that kind of... Understanding. Un, yeah, yeah, understanding. Um, I also remember when she was younger, she went through a whole heap of emotions and she really went inside herself. And Maya, Maya's not the most chatty of children. She kind of internalises things anyway. But for her to go that deep inside herself, I had to notice. And again, it came down to separation anxiety. She was at an age where she was questioning if something happens to mum, if mum is not here, I've got nothing. And Maya's an only child. So it's not like she's got a sibling to take care of her. But she has this real fear that that's it. She's on her own. And even to this day, she'll say things like, you're not going, you know, I'll just sort of say, Maya, I need to sort out my will. No, you don't. You're not going anywhere. But these are things as a parent you have to think about. Separation anxiety is a big one. I think my eldest one is still going through that. I go off to work. She needs to know where I'm going, which school I'm going to, when I'm going to be back, who I'm going to be with and who I'm working with that day. It is. It's literally, and it's for her peace of mind. Mm -hmm. I used to think it was really annoying to begin with, to be honest. And I was like, why do you need to know? But mum, I need to know. I need to know what route you're taking. So I need to know which school you're going to. So... To me now, it feels like I feel guilty for it because I'm putting that extra pressure on her that she's looking after me. Mm. But it's reassuring for her to know where I am in case something did happen because she's scared. What, what would happen to us if something happens to mum on the road during the day? Yeah, I, I totally understand mm. that because even with Myra and I, we have trackers on our phones mm. so we know where the other one is all the time. Um, I think, yeah, mine, again, different. My kids were older. Um, and I think not knowing where their dad is sometimes is a blessing as well. And not because he's not there for them to think about or to have to feel that. Because um, I am everything. Because I'm here. I'm the only one here. He's not dipping in and out. They don't know where he is. I don't know where he is. And I think sometimes that helps as well. And that stems in my childhood. My mum was divorced as well. And my dad was absent. And when I look back on life now, I think, yeah, it was most probably the best thing that I didn't know where he was. He wasn't in contact because I never had this worry of what he's doing or his other children or anything. I just got on with my life because as children, when you're young, and you get separated, I suppose it's easier because you know no better. Having said that, I mean, I I grew up in a single mum family because my father passed away. But yes, most of, I'd say 90% of the time as a child, my mum protected me from feeling anything other than loved. But there were times, there were times like um, sports day at school, you know, the father's race. I didn't have anyone representing me, and it hurt. I remember parents' evenings where my friends were there with their mums and dads, and the dads were engaging with the teachers. And, you know, my mum had come from East Africa. She didn't really know much about the schooling system, the education system. So she just sat in silence and listened. And I 
missed that. I feel that I made career choices because I wanted to provide for my mum as soon as I could rather than invest in myself. So I, I think we say that, you know, we're okay with it because we didn't grow up with a father. But I can tell you now, as a child, I missed it. And how do we protect our children from that? Yeah, see, I can relate. I, I, my dad was, is my be all and end all. He was there all the way through, like you said, parents' evenings. It was my dad who went to my parents' evenings rather than my mum. And even to this day, my dad has brought me up. I've got two older brothers. He's brought me up as one of the boys. It's never been a girl. So whatever they can do, I can do. So the role model there for me was amazing. So I feel that sometimes with my girls, even though I, I'm their role model and I, and I do everything I can and they can see it, they appreciate it. But yes, that fatherly figure, and I think I feel it more like you said earlier with when I am together with the family and how my nieces and nephews are with my brothers. You feel it a little bit then because my daughters are sitting there like, you know, that's, that's their uncle. But, you know, that relationship that the kids have with their dad, they don't have that. So it does hit you every now and again. Like, you know, is that, okay, am I doing enough for them? Um, and they've actually said to me a few times, why can't, why can't my dad be their dad? Because that's how they see the fatherly figure should be looking out for their children. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it does, it does go round in circles, I think. It does hit you. Yeah, and I do think as well, like... Um, with me, my brother did step up the role um, and helped a lot uh, with both Anisha and Aman. And so they did look up to him as a role model and still do. But I think, like you said, when you like go to, say, family functions mm-hmm. and stuff like that, you just feel... I mean, I know I did. I kept on saying, well, why did it happen to me? Um, and it makes you feel a little bit jealous when you see the happy little families and stuff. But then I think well, this is my new happy little family. It's just me and the kids. Um, in terms of like protection, like, you know, you were saying about the will and stuff. I went overboard, I did, because I was like, you know, I have to sort everything out because it's just me now. And I think I burdened Uman a lot when he was younger, kind of like said, this is where everything is. Um, if anything happens to me, without realising what the impact could have had on him mm-hmm. as a nine-year-old. But I just thought I had to tell him everything. Um, and in a way, I really didn't have to burden him with that because I was so young. So I do feel bad for doing that. But I think I was so desperate to tell, I suppose, him that, you know, if anything That's did most probably happen, your coping mechanism at the time. Yeah, That's definitely. Um, we don't know whether we are doing right, whether you are doing wrong. And I still don't. My kids are older. You know, they're 26, 25, and what, 22. And I still don't know if I've done it right, haven't done it right. I just hope I do. <laughs> the thing is, there's no rule book, is there? There's no guidebook. There's no handbook that says, this is how you be the perfect parent. We're going to get it wrong, girls aren't we and it's almost holding our hands up and admitting it not just to ourselves but to our kids Mm -hmm. sorry yeah i I messed up because we've all done it Mm -hmm. um i recall a instance where um maya was really poorly and she was in hospital and i have to say yeah you know my family are great but to be honest that's their job (laughs) 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 um but what I really, what I really valued was my friendships. You know, we spoke about that little community that you build around you. You're, you're in a circle of people that are in the same situation. And one of the things that really kind of makes me giggle is my. I'd taken Maya into A and E, and they decided to keep us in. And um, I rang Chong. And I said to Chan, you know, we've got to stay. Can you go and get me some stuff? So Chan has keys to my house. She went in. She sat downstairs while her 12-year-old daughter went upstairs and gathered all our clothes. Why? Because Anisha was a part of our family. And although Chan and I had this friendship, the friendship that Maya and Anisha developed was that of sisters. Mm -hmm. And... 
literally, you know, they could go into each other's houses and know. I mean, Anish knew where Manda where was. <laughs> really, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but you know, and that kind of makes you realise that these friendships amongst us women are so important. Whilst I was in hospital, you know, people were coming in and out and during visiting hours and, you know, my sister-in-laws, my brothers, my cousins, they were amazing. Then visiting hours finished at eight o'clock. Your daughter's in pain, you don't sleep. You know, I can't tell you the seven nights that I... I don't think I slept for seven Mm -hmm. nights, did I? And I'm going to get emotional again because it was such a painful time for us. But I cannot tell you how alone I felt during that time. And there's voices and there's phone calls. And that vulnerability where you can't help them. You're exposed. You're... Yeah, sorry. You're completely exposed and you're vulnerable and it's those times that are the hardest. Um, And I think those are always going to be the tough and the hardest times. Um, You know, when your child's not well, you think, I have to do everything for this child. I mean, I remember when Maya wasn't well and, you know, all she wanted to do was you know, be cuddled by you. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how I would have coped because I don't think I can cope with anything like that at all. But it's very hard. It is, actually. You've just said that now with these two friends that I've got, my literally my besties, we, we've been on family holidays as such, as single parents with our kids. Um, last year, the year before, we went to Thailand. So it was um, the three women... Um, my two girls, uh, the other one's two girls, and the third one's got a boy who's just a girl as well, basically. <laughs> all the rest of them are girls. Um, my eldest got sick out there. Um, being from a nursing background, a paediatric background, um, yep, I went with the whole shebang, everything that could go wrong. I took everything with me for backup. Um, it ended up being food poisoning, but you don't know because at the time it was... The signs were appendicitis and being in Thailand, a, a place where you can't speak the language, you don't eat. The last place I wanted her to go to was hospital. And the time, that time, I think was the hardest, not having anybody there. Apart from the girls that were with me, yes, they took care of my youngest at the time, but we were just literally assigned to this room going back and forth to the toilet and she could not keep anything down. Mm. From both ends, literally, this was how bad it, she couldn't even make it to the toilet, it was coming out both ends, to the point where I was just like, I had to call my brother and said, I don't know what to do, I think one of you might need to come out to collect the younger one, because she's just literally like, you know, it was, it was touch and go, and I think it was times like that, and and granted, I didn't take her into hospital, um, but the feeling you get and the loneliness you get and you just think, oh, my God, what if something happened out here? What would I physically do? Yeah, and that's frightening. And I, I again, I recall a holiday that we went to, um, to Dubai. We'd gone out to a friend's wedding and we'd flown out with my uh, cousin brothers, my aunts and lots of our family friends. But on the return journey, Maya and I flew back on our own and... Dubai is beautiful. The night we decide to fly home, it's absolutely heaving with rain and lightning. So the turbulence was frightening. Even I was like in my in my aeroplane seat, you know, saying my prayers. But Maya was absolutely petrified. And from that day, she was like, "We will never go on holiday on our own because if something happens." Either to you or to me, we, you know, what would we do? My, I think she was seven at the time. And she was like, we're never, ever going away. And that's when Chan and I and, you know, um, since then, to be quite honest, for the next 10 years, we only ever went on holiday with a friend mm. or with friends. Last year was the first time 
that Maya said, I'm almost a grown up. It's okay, just the two of us. But it took us 10 years to get to that point because she was like, mum, if something happens to you Mm. and we're abroad, what would I do? Um, So again, it's all about having that that kind of support network around you. Totally. And it's the responsibility these kids feel for you because you are by yourself. Exactly. I was just going to say it just shows you how grown up the kids have to be as well. You know, like you said, they hear things which we think they don't, um, but they do and they pick up on everything. And it just shows you. Conversations that you have with friends on the phone that you think they're sitting there playing and minding their own business yeah (laughs) and you get it word for word afterwards you said this this and this to that person and you're like oh wow okay you know what we've been talking about the vulnerability and the the harder side of being a single mum because you know the flip side is oh my god we got them to ourselves (laughs) (laughs) and what I found over time Maya's grown into my best friend. We do everything together. We go out for coffees. We'll go shopping. She'll tell me that I need to dress age appropriately. <laughs> if I tell her that I think some young lad's hot, she's like, no, it's inappropriate, mum. He's old enough to be your son. And we just have so much fun. And I love the fact that she's just mine. Yeah. Is that selfish? It's not, no, because it's that bond you've got because it is a one-to-one. And I think that's really, really important to have, to be honest. So the fact that you're open with them, they're open with you. There's none of this, oh, I can't tell my mum this, I can't tell her that, she's going to tell me off. Which is something I've said to my girls all along. You've done something wrong, tell me. I'd rather I knew about it rather than you're hiding it and you're worrying about it and it's going to come out anyway. Do you know what? That's my motto with my absolutely no secret. Yeah. If... For example, she had a boyfriend. She knows knows she needs to tell me because if I find out, there's going to be trouble. But I feel that our relationship is strong enough to to do that. I mean, you've got older girls, so how do you find that, Snow? Yeah, no, I've been very, very... My thing was, obviously... I know this might be a podcast for another day, but being brought up here first generation and you've had the things where you had to hide your boyfriend. This I was completely the opposite. I wanted my kids to be able to tell me anything, everything. Um, they've even drank in front of me at an age where most people would have said no, but I knew it was going to go and happen somewhere. I wanted them to be able to come and tell me everything. And yeah, they do. And sometimes there's things that I think, oh, I don't want to know, but they tell me anyway. <laughs> so yeah, um, the other side of where you said about having the kids to yourself, the other thing I liked was the fact that there's not two different rules because sometimes what can happen when you've got a partner, you don't see things on the same page and your parenting's different, their parenting, and you'll clash on that and then the kids are confused. Whereas I quite like the fact that it was my way my rules my parenting and there was no confusion for the kids because there wasn't two different parents for them to have to that's true yeah so i think that was one because i know that even though you question yourself a hundred times you're going am i doing the right thing did i say that right did i do that right should i have done it differently but it is and i think that's a cultural thing with us as well yeah yeah, because obviously we've been brought up one way and this is another generation and I know that's another podcast as well, so I won't go on, <laughs> but yeah. Um, well, I'll just say, you know about parenting, um, recently Eamon said to me, I'm going to use your parenting skills on my children. And I thought, oh, I must have done something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I'm quite strict though. Yes. You're much, much stricter than me. Yeah. I think um, what always makes me laugh is the, our girls, Myra and Anisha, were all, you know, I like to have a glass of wine, as people know. So, you know, they were always intrigued. And I've always said to the girls, if you want to have a drink, you do it in front of me. Anisha's up for it. Okay, on Tej, when I want a drink, we'll come. Maya's like, no. So what I did about five years ago with Maya was I 
asked her to have a glass of wine. I'm going to get shot for this, I'm sure. But one sip was enough for her to think, oh my God, it's vile, I never want to drink again. And that quashed any kind of intrigue on her part because you know what, once you tell a child not to do something, they they want to do it, mm. don't they? I tried that, it didn't work with mine. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about relationships with fathers i mean i've already mentioned that maya doesn't have a relationship with her father and when she did have a a, a relationship with him in the early days what we both really struggled with was he used her as a weapon so by not contacting her by not paying child maintenance he felt he was punishing me it was never about maya it was always about how to get at me, even to this day, you know, if he doesn't pay towards her upkeep, it's because I've got my own business and I'm doing okay and I don't need his money. You know what, maybe I don't. But as a father, he has an obligation, not just to support her financially, but to support her emotionally. Knowing the kind of character he is and the upbringing he's had, I really battled with whether he should be a part of her life. And when Maya reached the, up until she reached the age of 10, I made a point of Maya having weekly contact with him. If he phoned, she had to speak to him. If he didn't phone, she had to call him. That was our deal. But she wanted, she wanted a get out of jail free card. So we, we had an agreement that when she hit 10 double digits, she could choose. The morning of her 10th birthday, she woke up, all excited about her presence, but she woke up starting her day saying, I don't want him in my life. I don't like the way he behaves. I don't like his anger issues. I don't like the way he speaks to you. He scares me when he drives. And I had to then concede and say, no, it's fine. You don't have to have a relationship with him. Subsequently, over the years, he has tried maybe two or three times a year, normally around his birthday, not hers. Um, he will attempt to make contact with her. You know, she recently did her GCSEs and she doesn't know this. So I, I hope she never listens to this. But I had to message him two weeks after her results came out to say, do you not want to know how she did? And that was really heartbreaking. So when he did message her two weeks later to say, how did you get on? She went, fine. And that was her response. She did not engage because she did not feel that there was a genuine interest in her, her life? Well, to me, it's um, the dad doesn't want to know and I just think it's his loss. I don't, I don't care and I don't think my kids care. He's missing out on all the things that I'm having and I'm just like, that's your loss. You know, you've got these three amazing kids and you don't want to know for whatever your own reasons, I don't know. But I, I'm there for, I don't know, they graduated, they got into uni, just little, their first jobs, their excitements, their first boyfriends, their first... Boyfriends. First everything. <laughs> boyfriends. There's two girls, boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, I just think you're the loser in this. And... Like you said, I was, um, when it all happened, because my two were quite little, um, and because of the addiction... Um, and obviously safeguarding issues, um, my two weren't actually allowed. Um, nothing in court or anything, but it was my wishes they weren't allowed around his house with his parents, unless the parents took responsibility for them. Um, and to be honest, the girls didn't want to go without me anyway. Um, so contact-wise, for literally coming up to now, they meet in a public place, and I'm always supervising because How the girls often? want me. Um, on and off, whenever he wants. I've never put a, it's literally, it was down two weeks, but it can go up to five weeks. He doesn't really make any contact. He doesn't want to see them. So now even with lockdown, 
I think the last time he saw them probably was January. Wow. And how do they feel about that? To be honest, you know what, that's what it is. My, all my family and friends have said, why do you let him? He doesn't pay any maintenance. He doesn't do this for you. What is he exactly doing? I was like, but I don't want to be the bad person in this, saying that you stopped, yeah. mum, you stopped us seeing him. Yeah. So I'm letting it happen. And uh, It's hard for me because I have to see him. I'm divorced from the guy. I don't want to know your life. He'll try and put his two pence worth in and whatever, whatever, and I still get the drunken texts and I still get the drunken whatever emails. But I've actually cut off. It doesn't affect me no more. I'll laugh it off. I'll walk away. But for my girls and for safeguarding issues, I'm there. As long as they want me there, I will be there. Does he undermine you when... He's tried a few times. Recently he has because my eldest has got... um, her mobile now, um, which he contributed towards, um, and he's said a few things on the texts, um, and she's put him straight. And I think that's what it is. That's it's what it is, and I think I want her to make that decision, and I want them both, and the little one, because when it all happened, she was quite little and very protected, so she doesn't really have any memories with him, to be honest. What about their relationships as siblings? Do you think Amazing. it's made them stronger? Totally. Totally. I think as the little one looks up to the older one a hell of a lot. So whatever she says, she'll be like, no, what do you think? What do you think we should do? So the two of them now are, do you know what? Sometimes actually gang up on me, which is a really funny thing. Yeah, I'll tell one off and I'll say, she said she told you to do that. She'll be like, no, mommy, no, no, no. So the two of them will actually gang up on me, which in a way it's, it's reassuring for me that they have each other. Definitely. I mean, my two, um, I've got a son and a daughter, um, and they are very close now. Um, like, they, they'll keep secrets from me, mm. but I'm glad that they can share each other, you know, share stuff with each other. Um, and I've made them always say to them, oh, he's my favourite. And Anisha sort of like, yeah, okay, but I'm your favourite girl? Because she's <laughs> the only one. I'm like, yeah, we can play it like that. He's my favourite son, you're my favourite daughter. Um, but I had, um, I think it was a really tough for them. Um, but they've managed with each other, I think. I mean, at the beginning, they didn't speak to each other. But I think as they went through the teenage years, when they find it, they can actually be more comfortable with each other, um, they do talk a lot about things, even without me being there. So I'm glad they have each other. Um, yeah, I think kids, um, mine are older, like um, I said, but even when they're older, they fight, yeah. but they, within the next half an hour, they're, you know, they could have had a World War Three in the next half an hour, they're like, back yeah, together, you, yeah. And what but that's having, just siblings, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know what them three are <laughs> Yeah, I know what your three are like. Yeah. Um, I, I personally wish that Maya did have a sibling, because I feel, I'd feel less burden she's not a burden don't get me wrong but I would feel that at least if I wasn't around she'd have someone but she's absolutely okay with it because mm. when she was younger you know we've talked about me adopting she's no I'm good I'm happy being your number one I'm happy knowing I'm inheriting everything <laughs> so but you know I I do kind of regret that not for myself yeah but for her but it's okay we're gonna adopt a puppy and that will be my oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) if Maya's got anything to say by that but like you said that's where your friends have come into it again Mm. she's got Anisha she's got my my girls that she's so and that I have that is a blessing because you know we say to our kids look you can come to me for anything you can tell me anything but there's that fear because they're still teenagers But I do know that, you know, Anisha is Maya's go-to um, for, for lots of things. And out of all your children, I think Tasha and Maya have a really close bond. You know, Tasha checks in on her. Um, Aaron, who used to work for me here, is like her big brother. I listen to their conversations although I'm not meant to. Um, <laughs> and I, it just warms my heart because there's just genuine love for them. Yeah. And I think that's what's really nice is that they found it within their, their own sort of network. Before we close, I'm going to ask you all a question. Start with you this time, Snake. Oh, gosh. What would you say to a, another woman who is embarking on this 
single parent journey? Okay, so this has happened to me quite a few times recently. I've got friends that are just about to embark on this journey. And this is the thing I've said, this is the point that you're obviously strong enough to do it because they've been going through it. I've seen them going through it, but you can't do it until you're actually strong enough ready. yourself. And there will come a day that you will be ready and you will do it. And you know what? Life just has a way of sorting itself out. Just be positive. You know, keep talking, keep communicating with your kids. And the rest does sort itself out. And time's a healer. I know it's a cliche, but it is. It's a healer. Yeah, I would probably say the same. No matter how many times people will tell you, your friends will tell you, your family will tell you, get out of the situation, you are not going to do it until you are ready. And usually it's the littlest, stupidest, smallest thing that will happen, and that's your breaking point. And you will not look back. Yes, it's tough, but you know what? It is true. It, there, there's Everything happens for a reason, and everything does fall into place. If you're unhappy with something, it's not fair on you, it's not fair on the kids, and they do pick up on it. Um, with me, obviously, it's a different situation. Um, but again, obviously, you're at your weakest, your lowest, you know, depressed um, moods, but you can get through it. I mean, I'm surprised I did because it took me years, but honestly, I'm so much more stronger and independent and the happiest at the moment with my kids so anyone can get through it um for me what i would say is yes you can do this think about your situation can you fix it because if you can fix it it's not easy being a single mum if you can't you have to think about the consequences with your children which is what I did. Is this the kind of marriage I want Maya to be in? Is this the norm for her? Is this what I want her to feel a relationship with a husband and wife or a father and daughter should be? Clearly for me it wasn't. And I'm very blessed that I have such strong women around me who are role models, who support me. Find yours because you can do this. So, you know what? If you're gonna do it, we've been there, we've done that.